Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. What's up, man? So listen, um, it's that time of year again. Um, we're uh, we're on, almost to Thanksgiving here, which means we're almost to Christmas. Um, yeah. Just FYI, I can't stand it. My wife start putting up Christmas decorations before Thanksgiving. I'm like one holiday at a time. But nonetheless, she got me dragging trees from the basement. Um, you started already? Up to the living you started room. Started already? Started already, man. Started already. Started already. Playing Christmas hey, music. Hey, I put on Christmas. Feels weird. I put it on. I put it on. I put it on a couple days okay. ago. To each his own. Christmas, Christmas to each his music. own. Yeah. But uh, Christmas tends to be stressful because it's shopping time, right? And yeah. you know, uh, when it comes to people who are uh, well off or, or well means, such as yourself, such as such as me, we're blessed. It gets hard to it gets hard to shop for them. It's like, what do you get the person who has everything? And I'm sure Let there are people. You. I can tell you. If you ask me that question, I got a list for you. Uh, Uncle Michael, I got a list for you, dog. Okay, so just ask me that. I got you. Okay, I can tell okay, you. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you. I'm not looking to shop for Kevin Durant, but somewhere I'm sure there are lots of people who love him. Who are like, what do you get, Kevin Durant? And out of nowhere last night, thanks to Slam Kicks and Twitter, <laughs> the people who love and care for Kevin Durant and his personal hygiene got their answer. My man needs a lot of lotion. Any set of lotion you can get him. A yeah. bottle of lotion, Jergens, whatever, whatever you want, some Vaseline, you know, whatever, something. Because Twitter being as 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 observant as it is, they weren't focused or fixated on the fire KDs on his feet. They were focused on <laughs> that little piece of skin between his leggings or yeah, tights yeah, yeah. or whatever in his socks and which yeah. doesn't look like how skin should look and so uh katie needs to log off twitter and quit talking about uh how he gonna pull his you know y'all broke card he walking yeah. around like he broke like he can't afford some lotion like even when i was broke we had lotion they got plenty of broke people that don't look that ashy. Okay? That's inexcusable. Hey. And, and, and I got to be transparent about something, Michael. It's so funny we're talking about this. So yesterday, know, there was a moment. Know. You, know how, you know how both of us, you can see, we can see our return fees, right? Yeah, yeah. And so yesterday, there was a moment. I don't know if you saw it, because you're not looking that closely. But there was a moment yesterday, as I had on a thermal, and I had the sleeves pushed up. There was yeah, yeah. a moment yesterday... I think we were talking to Russell Hornsby and I raised up my hands and my elbows were showing and them shits was great. Oh, it was, it was yeah, great. Yeah. I was like, Ooh, I was like, Ooh, was I, I didn't put lotion on it. Yeah, Cause yeah. I'm not a big lotion guy. I'm not a big lotion guy. Wow. I typically just jump out the shower and bam. So hey. I don't want to be the pot calling kettle black. I don't want to live in a right. glass house throwing bricks at KD, but I ain't never looked that bad. And honestly, I don't typically see anybody looking that bad. But then again, it is on brand because my man tells you all he cares about is hooping. Clearly, all he cares about is hooping because that was next level ashy. Ashy Larry wasn't that ashy. 
They say, oh, you know, he's been kicking flour. I don't know what that, I don't know what he's been doing. That didn't, that looked like a condition that he needs to get checked out. So, wherever you are, you love and care for Kevin Durant. If you love and care for it Kevin Durant, be. you know what to get him for Christmas. Like, because. Hey, no, you don't, you know. Let me just say this. And I'm on, you I mean, know, I, I love, I love going in on Kevin Durant. But I'm on his side. I'm on his side yesterday because this is not just a, a, a trivial issue. This is a serious. This is a very serious oh. Uh, issue. Oh, it in looks the black serious. Community. It looks this like is, somebody hey, to check know, that out. Hey, 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 Mike, we start doing the state of black America. We set the agenda for the state of black America in 2022. Lotion has got to be a first day item and maybe it is a multiple session topic. When you said, hey, just give him any kind of lotion. No, wait a minute. If you are going to buy me lotion, don't just throw any kind of lotion at me because I, I got to tell you. Now, look, for me, this time of year, this is, I, I'm glad I knew where you were going. You said, is this this time of year and all that stuff? Once October hits, it's it, it, inevitably October 1st, even if it's like 70 degrees outside, October 1st, I feel it. My, my skin starts to crawl. You know, for those uh, of, of the darker hue, you know, this is a very see, serious thing because see, I'm yeah, just telling yeah. you. So should I, right? should, I, should I stay out of this? This doesn't concern no, no, me as much. Like, again, I got, on, I got no, gray on. yesterday and come my on, knees can get ashy. But here's the thing. I don't walk and around, I don't walk around with anything exposed enough for me to actually no, care no. about it. Like, I, again, you can't see much of me. I mean, my hands might be a little bit gray from time to time, but that's what I'm you saying. know, I don't, see, it's not really that much of a pressing issue for me, but you're saying for you, it's everybody. You, you can't afford to slip up. You can't afford you can't to slip hide up it. in this area. You can't uh -huh. hide it. Okay. Uh -huh. And so what is and you, you see it right here and I, 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 I got to go extra right in the corners. <laughs> I got to get in the yeah. corners because sometimes if you take that Remember yesterday, you said, hey, man, you just take a you just you barely got dressed. I mean, you, you running behind you take those quick showers. Those are dangerous in the winter. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. Take that quick shower in the winter and you just try to go <laughs> quick lotion. That's not going to work. That's not going to take. Mm. You're going to be white all over. You're going to be crusty in the corners. So the kind of lotion that you use is critical. You can't just throw any kind of lotion out there. If I go to a hotel, so what hotel talking? lotion, hotel lotion is not for us. It's just not for us. No, right. it's not. Okay. Um, Interesting. So you said Jergens. Eh, Jergens. I'd say sorry. No, mind. no disrespect. Five point yeah. five, six out of ten. I need a little okay. something Can heavier. You, what you um, Give me that Palmers. Give me that Palmers with the cocoa butter. Now a brother walks around okay. smelling like cocoa butter, but it gets the job done because it's thick. Mm. Now back mm. in the day, uh, we used to walk to school. Not walk to school backwards or anything like that. I'm not gonna tell you any stories. But we used to walk Uphill to school. Both ways. And, yeah. and, and, and mom, mom, before we leave the house. I mean, we get that like a scoop, with scoop of Vaseline and just put, <laughs> and just put it right down. So you walking around, you shining, you ready to go. That was Vaseline yeah. back in the day. But now, I go Aquaphor. Aquaphor. Okay. I, oh I yeah, like yeah. This. That's that healing. Hey, that's, that's that a, healing kind, right? That's it. That's a Georgia, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State matchup. Aquaphor Vaseline. But wait, is that the healing one? Because remember, remember when I yeah. got burned in Tahoe, yeah. I had to use that. that was the last time I really got serious about lotion. I was interesting. Was interesting. Uh, Sarah is big right. on lotion. She goes through a lot of lotion, 
and my son goes through yeah. a lot of Goshen. Now, given that my son is 13, that may be a different conversation, which we're not going to have here. But he okay. uses a lot. Right, let's not. No, no, let's, no. Let's, we don't have to have that. That's here. neither here nor there. We, but okay. he definitely no, does. No. He definitely does stay moisturized. Okay. I know he Good. definitely stays moisturized. Um, the thing I like it's, about it's what, can, can I just say this? Can I say oh, this? Oh, please. It, yes, of course. Hey, this and it's so funny. I'm so glad we have, you know, your son. For those who don't know, so Michael Smith has a 13 year old son who turned 13 in May, right? Is he? Yes. Is, is that his birthday? Mason's birthday May is in May. Yep. So Robinson is 13, but he he turned. He's uh, you know several months, about four or five months younger than Mason. He turned 13 in November. And I remember having this conversation with him and it was like, I was like, man, this is kind of like explaining, explaining parts of black culture, black idiom, um, sense of humor, like not quite playing the dozens, but it's not mean. It's not, it's not bullying. It's kind of like, I was just trying to explain it to him because he was upset one day after school. Explain it, Ashley Tom. What day after school? He said, he said, oh, hey, yeah. Sarah, bring me a bottle of lotion real quick. There it I'm is. Sorry, go ahead. What day after school? He said, hey, there's some kids in the cafeteria. They're being a little disrespectful. I said, oh, okay. What, what, what happened? He said, you know, this one kid said, hey, put some lotion on those ankles. <laughs> I said, let, I said, I said, let me see your ankles. All right. Was he, he was he lying? I said, like, was he I lying? Said, look, man, I mean, you know, look. I said, well, how was it? Did, I said, did you guys talk after? That? He said, yeah. He was being, and then he's being really nice after that. I said, look, that's just kind of what we do. <laughs> that's what right. we do. He's looking out for right. you. He's looking out for well, you. And that's, now, and I, I, I he's really a friend. For Kate. He got some, you know, he got a little something in here. He's like, here, here you go. I think. You I think people were looking out for KD, you? honestly. I think people were looking out for KD. Just to kind of like land right. this airplane, I just, the thing I liked about it is there's very little that's relatable about a seven-foot dude that can shoot better than anybody in the league damn near. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, there's very little relatable about Kevin Durant to the rest of us mere mortals. But whether it's his Twitter activity or whether it's his personality off the court or in this case, his ashiness, Kevin Durant just a regular dude. He just busy. I hope and do me. He busy. And that's that. Meanwhile, that's that's a couple days. That's a couple days. That's a couple days. You just go in there, you, you get some. Uh, no, you get some. That's, uh, that's an aquifer job. That's that's our lotion. Meanwhile, I got I want Sarah and, to bring me the lotion because I don't even know. I don't. I think I, I said Jergens. We might use something else, but I love to know what our what our brand is. It's pretty good. It's not too. It's not too oily. Okay. Meanwhile, speaking of purchases, somebody bought this for Kyle Kuzma. Somebody, whether it was Kyle Kuzma himself or Kyle Kuzma's stylist, somebody bought this ensemble that he walked into the game in last night and I, and I don't I'm confused about a couple of things one and I, you know I'm going to assume that Kyle Kuzma is single or he's not in a serious relationship because I know good and well I couldn't walk out the house wearing that in public because at a certain point in your life, you're representing somebody else other than you. You're representing yeah. your significant other. You're representing your name. Somebody should have said, hey, that's not it. But here's the, here's the interesting part. Kyle Kuzma probably has a stylist 
So maybe somebody did tell him that that is it. And maybe, Michael, this yeah. really comes down to the fact that maybe I am just out of touch. Because, Michael, you may know this about me, and the juxtaposition between yeah. you and me is evident every single day. Yeah. If it requires me to wear anything other than sweatpants and a t-shirt or a hoodie, flip-flops and socks and sweatpants, if I got to dress up beyond that, I'm not going. If there is a dress that's, code, don't hit me with the, the, nice the, the sheep thing. I'm not, I'm, not wearing nice any, I'm not wearing anything other, that I have to actually put thought into. So maybe, okay. and, and because if, if Michael, if I got to go to a party or a club or some event right now, I'm stuck like Chuck because all I have is TV suits that I don't wear anymore or the aforementioned sweatpants, t-shirts, flip-flops, Jordans, whatever. So maybe I just don't know what's hot in these streets anymore because right. I guess this That's is what the point. kids are wearing now. So well, which one is point. it? Is it just bad or are we just old? Or is it both? Ooh, is ooh, it ooh. bad and we're old? Which one is it? No, 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 no. That's a great point, Mike. Can we bring that video? I know we played that video many times, but I, this time I want you, when you watch this video of Kuzma walking in, watch the brother behind him. Okay, you see that brother just look? That brother, ain't, he didn't come back. He didn't be like, what the hell? No, he just looked like there's no big deal. And I wonder, and this is what I was thinking. Look, here it is. Here's the brother. Here's the brother right here. He kept right. it pushing. Okay. 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 Hey, right. hey, 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 look. Oh, hey, look, look. Okay. There, there's Kyle. I mean, how did, how did this go um, over in the locker room? That's like, what did, I was this... wondering. Once he, yeah. the real story happens here behind. Mm -hmm. We don't see the real story, but I, I mean, he's I, walking thinking, confidently. Kind of. He doesn't seem self-conscious. I feel like it's on the verge of being dope. Somehow it's kind of it's fascinating. It's, it's close it's fascinating. to being, it's close oh, to something. Let, let's let's pause there. I love that description. It's on the verge of being dope. <laughs> love how you put that. Enlighten it, me. It's 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 something it's very there. Fashion there there's something there, there's something there. There's something there. There's and a there. You there. have to keep okay. that in mind. Okay. They're always okay. like these are these NBA And you're one of the players. most fashion forward people I know, Michael. Like people don't I, know this I, about I, the depths of our relationship. Like I, you know, you, my first trip to Neiman Marcus was with you. You know what I mean? Like I used to look to you for fashion advice and you're clearly the more fashionable between us on this hair program. So I, 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 I put a lot of stock in what you're saying here, but Mike, I'm telling you, no, this is the but NBA players on the next level. Now they are usually, they're usually like a year. Sometimes they're a year, a year and a half ahead of the mainstream. So okay. maybe Kyle Kuzma, maybe Kyle Kuzma just totally missed this or he is he, this is the vanguard. This is the vanguard of the next thing. Like some of these players like James Harden, Russell Westbrook, they go to fashion week, they go to Paris, they go to Milan. Some of these uh, just these very highly regarded trend setting fashion capitals. They go there. So I don't know if Kyle Kuzma's on that or do you remember he just Michael, missed on this movie? One. Do you remember the movie? I'm gonna get you sucker. Keenan Ivory Wayne, yes. Bernie Casey. Yes. Remember movie? So remember they had the yeah, theme going with like the, the gold chain. Yeah, remember the gold chains? And they kept asking every time they show a picture of Juba, like, how do you go to the bathroom with all that shit on? How do you function with that? Is what I want to know. Like, how do you like like what if you do you just 
do you roll a sleeve? Do you really have to just like push the sleeve way up? Like how do you either drive, write, eat? What do you do when your hands are halfway through the sleeves? Anyway, hey, yeah, Kyle it's Kuzma, on the verge of something. Ben, ben sure Vereen could flow in that, but Kyle Kuzma, hey, do you, bro? Do you? I mean, yeah. listen, Wizards, yeah, are, Wizards are balling. He's in a good place. He trash talking with Cavs fans. It's Kyle Kuzma's world. We just living in it apparently, but. That's, hey, that's, I, remember, I remember. I remember I remember when Jeff Van Gundy uh, during the NBA finals or, or the NBA playoffs. This is years ago. And he said to uh, he's on the on the broadcast. He said he saw Chris Bosh. He said are, are those pink pants? Who's wearing like what's going on? He's wearing pink pants. You know what they were? They were Nantucket Reds. They were Nantucket red pants mm, and, and mm. Chris Bosh was rocking them and then Couple years later, everybody else wearing everybody Nantucket red. Everybody wearing Nantucket red. Okay, you're right, man. Maybe, Remember LeBron? Maybe the broad Remember LeBron horizon. with the suit? Remember LeBron with the suit? Yeah, with the shorts. Yeah, that was the thing. We might need. We, thing, we might just need to broaden our horizons. I told you, man. I'm just ahead of pants and t-shirts. I, I need. Maybe I need to start reading more magazines or going to Fashion Week or. I, you know, I, I just. I think. I think that ship has sailed for me. I think I'm just Ooh, old. I'm washed. I'm a dad. That ship is full circle. You know what, what Mike? That's a what? present you can get me. Give me a trip. Give you know me what, a trip to Italy. You know what? Give me you a know trip what to you Italy. don't need I, with I that like outfit. To to you know what you don't need with that outfit is lotion. You don't need lotion because <laughs> your your hands, elbows, everything is quite covered up. Always something. Look good. Up, Look good. Look good. Feel good. Play good. They pay good. You may have to have a costume change though. Then everybody knows what's going on inside that locker room. What are they saying? Who had the best line? Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. All right, to serious basketball matters. Yesterday, we finished the show uh, disagreeing about whether or not Isaiah Stewart overreacted to LeBron's punch to his face that left him bloodied, uh, but certainly unbowed. Um, Last night, LeBron got a game. Stewart got two games. I assume you're going to tell me they got this right because I think they, I think the NBA screwed yes. this up. I have a serious yep. problem with this. It like okay. All right. It, it, it turned out it was the same penalty. It would have been the same penalty if LeBron James hits my man in the mouth. He's bleeding. He goes. He, he says something to LeBron. They exchange words. They're both ejected from the game. All right, it's over. They both get a game. My man acted like, um, like, like, like somebody was really just keeping him from his career. His career was about to end. Like, you know, be like, come on, like, look at the overreaction. Just calm down, bro. Calm down. And, and, oh, I know, I know. It's easy for me to say, calm down, Mike. Like you said yesterday, somebody hit you in the mouth. You're not going to stay calm. But 
Don't pretend like here's your problem. This is what got you your extra game. Don't pretend like you got it under control. Oh, I'm cool. I'm cool. I'm cool. All right. <laughs> Let me go after him again. Like they the NBA can't deal with that. This is still I know it's ball. We look at it. Oh, it's just ball. But this is ball with a corporate backdrop. This is corporate America and corporate America ain't trying to have no kind of stuff that go that goes on at the playground, right? Oh, 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 you oh, got some more, I'm gonna see more, you back. more specifically more specifically and it just so happened yep. that this happened in Detroit. Okay. Yes, we ain't so far yes. removed from the malice from the palace. The NBA ain't trying to have you Negroes running wide, right? Right, right. you were saying that, you were saying that's exactly what it is, but that's exactly what it is and I think it's his risk. It's the location. It's his response to the altercation and it's just hey, we got a we got an image to preserve. We don't want to make any kind of connections. We don't want to offend our sponsors or our fans. We don't want to scare so, anybody. I got it right. You're the announcer. You know, Stay in your seats. I, Do not throw anything. I get it. I get the optics. It wasn't. I a good agree look. with them. I think the NBA's right. The NBA is right. How can how can you defend Isaiah Stewart in this case? What's there to defend? Oh, I'll did tell he, you. Easy. He I'll tell you. I'll tell you. He got spoken smacked. like somebody who clearly has never been punched in the face. Okay, and thank goodness I had never been punched in the face like that before. But all I'm saying is, if anything, they each should have gotten a game. If you think Isaiah Stewart's reaction was over the top, okay. Over the top, yes. If you think the NBA needed to more. protect its image and needed to put forth some sort of deterrence, because that's that was that was far from that, that, that didn't that was far from the malice in the palace. That was nothing close to it. It was it, it could have been worse had they not been able to control Isaiah Stewart. But nonetheless, um, it was a bad look, and the next time it could get out of hand. And we've seen some dust ups, some near fist to cuffs lately where the NBA might be just saying, hey, you know what? Let's nip this in the bud right now. We can't have somebody running around looking for a fight or running uh, in the, throughout the tunnel trying to get back to anybody, let alone LeBron James. Okay, let's right. say you want to say that. Right. That's a right. game. Right. That's not worth double what the guy got for, in, for initiating the entire thing. If you're going to give Isaiah Stewart two games, LeBron James should have gotten two games. How does the dude that got hit in the face get double the punishment for reacting? Because the dude who got he reacted. The dude who got hit in the face had double or triple or quadruple the reaction. How many people did? But he got hit in the face. Chill out. I know he got hit. They in the face. should have each okay, gotten the same punishment. Michael, I'll give you, you the think? same punishment. I'll give you the same punishment. But they punished Isaiah Stewart as if he was the one that started it. He reacted and anybody saying he overreacted. It's not your face. You didn't get hit with a closed fist inadvertently or not. I don't care what LeBron says. It didn't look inadvertent, but okay, fine. He immediately wants to apologize. Isaiah Stewart lost his shit and rightfully so he got hit in the face. So give him one game for being out of control, but don't give him double what you gave the guy who happens to be the face of your league. Don't give him double what you gave the guy who actually started it all. It's a double of one. It's doubling one. like That sounds like so much more serious than it is. It's not like he got a five-game suspension. Now he got ten for being out of control. No, he got one for being... He got one... It's principalities. One for what? One for what? One for what? One for what? For his... 
for his lack of civility. Okay, how about that? For his so his what was the second one? To chill. Hey, tell him to chill. So tell him to chill out. Okay, tell Isaiah <laughs> to chill. All right. Be cool. Say, be cool. Hey, say Isaiah. Tell him to chill. No, but, so, but okay. But got, so what was the second one for? What was the second one for? Uh, the first that's one because he didn't chill. What was the second one for? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Like he didn't get him back. Listen. He didn't swing on anybody. Think- he was out of control. He was trying to get to LeBron. He did not succeed. He caused the scene. But he was acting in response to getting hit in the face. So, so it, get so hit in the face. One each. And then, and then I, okay, then for raising those hands. He got one for raising those hands, and then the other for his legs. We're just running all around so, the court. So basically, Have, for acting like he wanted that smoke, situation. he gets an extra game. He gets an extra Can't game see. because he wanted to smoke. That's what you're telling me. This, I, I, need, I need you to answer this question, though, because this, this will help us get to a, a, a solution or help us get to a better understanding of where the other one's coming from. Do you think LeBron James did it on purpose? You think he hit him on purpose? Doesn't matter. I think he, I think no. he intentionally. Okay. No. I think he intentionally. As, as far as the NBA is concerned, it doesn't. Well, it does matter. Do you think it happened? I think he, intentionally, think he intentionally tried to swing either an elbow, a fist, or whatever. I don't think his intent was to leave him spewing blood, but LeBron is in complete control of his body, more than most human beings. You look at the video, LeBron does this with a closed fist. He didn't elbow him, which would have been bad. He did. He swung with this, a backhand fist. Okay. He didn't just try to try to get rid of it, get rid of him while he was boxing out the free throw line. He swung with this. Okay, but okay. Intent doesn't matter. All I'm saying, this is it's real simple where I'm coming from. I'm simply coming from anybody telling Isaiah Stewart how he should have reacted is speaking from a very privileged position of having not gotten punched in the face. So, is he supposed just to just, how is he, tell me, how, tell me in this? the rule book what it says about how you're supposed to respond to getting punched in the face. Where in the rule book does it say you're supposed to meekly walk away, go cry in the car, and wipe off your face, and let the other person get away with it. It's the same thing Anytime, with the NFL and with taunting. You gotta know you're that playing though. an emotional, you physical. You're playing an emotional, but you're physical game. I know, but you're also a pro. I'm not. Pro, I'm you're not a professional a at getting punched in the face. Yeah, right, that, that, that's not in the job one description. Thing, one thing you didn't add, though. One thing you had, you said, "Hey, people have never been punched in the face." Yeah, I've been punched in the face before. I've been punched in the face by LeBron James. That's different. Okay, now that I'm with you being punched in the face by LeBron James in anger. It's not like LeBron was like, oh, you know, uh, oh, I'm sorry, Isaiah. There was some, he wanted the space cleared. He didn't know who was going to be in this, but he wanted that space cleared. And so the fist of LeBron James, the, the power of LeBron James, yeah, that, that, that had to be painful. But that being said, you got to know as a professional athlete, Anything you do that causes the game to be interrupted, to be delayed for a long time, that think about it from the corporate from the corporate viewpoint, that puts your fans, that puts your clients in danger. That's how they look at it, right? You got uh, you got a family with like two little kids there, and uh, you know you got folks running around screaming, cussing, out of control. NBA is not is not trying to get with that. There's so a solution. Know, there's a way to avoid that. There's a tax. There's a way to there's avoid a tax that. For that. You know how you could avoid that? 
There's a way to avoid that. You can avoid that. Don't punch people in the face. Don't punch people in the face. That could have all been avoided had the instigator not punched him in the face. All bets are off once you get punched in the face. You know how to say everybody got a plan until you get hit in the face? Everybody got rules until you get hit in the face. All bets are off. That's not true. What I was saying was it's the same with taunting, Michael. It's the same with taunting in the NFL. We want these Pete and more so in the NFL. We want these emotional, huge, uh, you know, world-class athletes to play a game with emotion and then shut it off in an instant. They work all week. They work all their lives to make plays to entertain us on on Sundays and Mondays. And then in an instant, as you're scoring a touchdown after coming off of injured reserve, Clyde Edwards Alaire pointing at the defender who's giving chase in vain. Can't do that because the kids might be watching. It's an emotional game. Okay, stop trying to protect people's feelings. Likewise, in the NBA, you're asking the guy in Isaiah Stewart who plays with a level of toughness and tenacity that's already endeared him to that Pistons organization and that, and that fan base. Okay, yeah, who's, who's a perfect Detroit Piston who came up the hard way. He's Good. being physical, using Love his body story. to try to block to try to block out LeBron James. And you're going to ask him to just yes. politely yes, accept getting yes. punched yes. in yes. the face. Yeah. Okay. That's no, unrealistic. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you, but see you, you, you're, these are different situations. So, so your first, and I just want, uh, sorry, can I interrupt you? Can I interrupt you? I just want our listeners ahead, and ahead, viewers to realize that the person doing the talking right now is a person that I once had to stop from getting his ass whipped by a tow truck driver. <laughs> I have seen you lose your temper. So I'm just saying like, this is, this is the height of hypocrisy. You sit up here telling somebody how he should act. You about you about to get dealt with some serious by some hillbilly tow truck driver who was not okay. with it that day. And I had to pull you back. And that's the kind of friend you are. By the way, I just got to give you props. It was my car that got towed. But he said yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know what he said. I don't know what he said. But he said something that set you off. You were saying yeah. so. Continue telling Isaiah Stewart how he should respond and get punched in the face. Go ahead. Let, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Okay. Let me just go into that tow truck story. I remember what I want to remember, by the way. I remember what I, remember what I want to. Thank. <laughs> I have a selective memory. Thank, <laughs> thank the living God that you were there. Because it seemed like a good idea in my head. I go, I, I, at that time, at that time, I had, I, you know, 15 fewer pounds. So I probably was like 160, 155 pounds at 5'9. And this dude was like 6'3. And I think it was just a wall. He was a wall of, of like 245, 250 pounds. He was a big and, dude. Wait, speaking of walls, we were in a confined space. We were in a real confined space. Like it could have been then really I saw bad. Him, I saw him and I was just like, ooh. The voice in my head was like, stop, 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 stop doing it. Then here's Mike Smith. Hey, hey, you know, he's got a good point. You got a good point. I'm like, God, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Conflict resolution. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I, that could have gone uh, a different way. Ooh, that would have been bad. That would have been bad, really. I'm telling you. Um, I'm telling you. But, but I would say this. Okay, but even when that, in that situation, who am I? I'm yeah. just a little writer. I'm a little broadcaster who thinks he's going to fight a tow truck driver. I'm not a professional 
I'm not a professional athlete. I'm not in that situation often. So if I had been in a situation where I'm in some kind of arena and say anything happened, anything can happen here. You know, sometimes things go left and you might get a you might get fouled hard. Somebody might say something might get in your face. We are paying you to stay focused on the task. We're paying you for that. And so in the in the in the case of Isaiah Stewart is a little more complicated. I'll get to that in a second. But in one case you mentioned the uh, anecdote of uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Nah, man, you can't do that. Not only I know you're happy to be off uh, injured reserve, but we're going places. We got a winning streak. We had a we had a really rough stretch. We were three and four in the season. We're trying to win this game. It's important for us trying to take control of the AFC West. And you will get a 15-yard penalty to put the team in danger? No, you got to be more disciplined than that. That's easy. That's cut and dry to me. Isaiah Stewart, I get it. A little more complicated. Sure. It's tough, but you can't go on that long. I'm not saying don't respond. You might want to respond. And say, look, I'm gonna see you after the game. I know where you are, King. King. Oh, guess what? I'm not gonna be respectful of the throne later. I'm just letting you know. All right. But you sure. can't be running around interrupting the game for 20. What was it? What was it? Delayed a half hour? 20 minutes? It was a long time. Funny you say as we go to break, we just spent 20 minutes arguing about two other dudes getting suspended. You and I just were emotionally invested in our points and neither of us got punched in the face. You know I'm right about this. Imagine if we were sitting next to each other and I just clocked your ass right now or vice versa. If we just supposed to sit there and be like, we're moving on because people are watching. Sorry. I mean, I'm just I, I, say, I, I get it. I, ideally, ideally, it shouldn't have gone on that long. I feel like a broken record here. He got hit in the face. I would say Mike. It was blinded by his if own did that, If you did that, I'd say Mike, hurt people hurt people. And there's clearly something bothering you. <laughs> and I think as your brother, it's my responsibility to just kind of help you out. What's wrong? What's wrong? Because you were, the Michael you know, Smith you were right. You were right, though. It's, it's two versus one. It's just the principality, Smokey. It's just the principles involved in this. Two versus one. That's it. They'll both be back when they play again. I think they'll both be back when these teams meet again, which will be interesting. It's not like he got suspended for the season. I just don't see how the dude that got hit should get hit with the longer suspension. Make it make sense. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Kurt Healing from uh, Pro Basketball Talk is here. Uh, you were standing by and you had the uh, unfortunate um, experience of listening <laughs> to us verbally spar uh, about this LeBron James, Isaiah Stewart uh, fallout, the suspension. And so you heard what I had to say, man. Like, I just, yeah. I get that Isaiah Stewart took it farther than we would like people to take getting hit in the face. I get that. I just don't understand how he got twice the suspension as the guy who did the hitting. Um, if anything, they should have gotten equal. Either both get one or they both get two. But how the guy that got hit in the face gets two, 
versus LeBron getting one just doesn't sit right with me. You're the expert. You've seen it. Plenty of suspensions. You know how the league works. What say you? First off, the greatest mystery in the world is the league's discipline policy on these kind of things. It's, it's, there's roulette tables that are more predictable. Like, I can never quite figure out what they're going to do. So I'm, I'm with you. I like, in this sense, love would have triggered me. Like, I get where Isaiah Stewart was. I, I by the way, thoroughly enjoyed him. Like, Cade Cunningham tried and got thrown aside like a JV linebacker trying to tackle Saquon Barkley or something. Like, it was just, it was just way over them. Um, that said, I knew LeBron wasn't going to get two. I was kind of surprised they gave him one because that one is tonight in Madison Square Garden, and I really didn't think mm-hmm. the league was going to do that. I really, I really thought that he'd get off with a fine because they'd want him to play in Madison Square Garden. He also punched a guy in the face, intentional or not. If you want to argue that he was just trying to get his arm free and happened to come through, fine. You can argue that. Still punched a guy in the face and drew blood, man. you, you got to get games. And I'm kind of with you. To me, it should have been equal, but – Again, I can never things I never get right are predicting what the league is going to do in these situations. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, and I hear what you guys are saying because there are two there are two big incidents here, and the biggest one, the one that triggered everything, was the punch in the face. So I, yeah. I got you. Uh, and Michael Smith is wrong, Kurt. I have been punched in the face. It was a long time ago. It's about twenty twenty. It's a little blurry now. It's a little blurry. Now. I do remember it. I. <laughs> Right. I've still got the you, you you won't see it here. I've still got the scar, and uh, I flipped out, saw blood, and went after one of my best friends. Just snapped, and it was in, it was during a hockey game, man. We were just you know wasn't wasn't intentional. And your but. best friend was like, "It's me, your best friend." Pow! Come back to reality. And you're like, "Okay," but let me ask you. Yeah, well, all right. So there's a punch. There's a punch. Hockey, they would let y'all fight. <laughs> yeah, that's like, come on, come on, go at it. But they just kind of like they. But the official is in there. Then they tackle you to make sure it's, it's over and all yeah. that stuff. But for the delay, do you think the delay? Am I over? If I, am I reading too much into the danger slash optics of a player being out of control for a while and fans sitting around saying, "What is this?" and the game being delayed? Th- doesn't there have to be a, a price to be paid for that? I think that that's what really got him in trouble. It wasn't the initial reaction. It was the second run and the third run and then racing into the locker room to try towards the locker room to try to go around the back and come out another door. Like that's what got him in trouble. It wasn't, it wasn't the initial reaction. It was, it was the secondary and thirdary things. And then by the way, again, I don't know that I totally blame him, but you're, I think that that's ultimately what cost him more games is that that's a bad look. That video that you're showing now, that one in particular, that doesn't look good for the league. You know, they that's to this day still sensitive about player image. Yeah. No question. Who's that? Um, who, who, all right. Who, where did I miss? Hey, Mike, who was that with the missed tackle? You see that with the missed tackle? I don't know. But all I know is nobody, got, nobody got hurt except for Isaiah Stewart. Moving on to a team that we should talk about before it's too late, Kurt. Uh, and that's the Red Hot Phoenix Suns. Winners of 13 straight. They're now sitting at 14 and 3. Um, and this is our bad. You know, we dropped the ball on this. You've been covering it as you always do, but we've dropped the ball on this here show. Because I think the last time we managed to talk about the Suns, uh, either Robert Sarver was not paying DeAndre Ayton or Robert Sarver was under investigation for a, a toxic workplace environment. All the Suns have done is rip off uh, a Baker's dozen in a row. But this is more than just a favorable schedule. What's clicking in Phoenix? 
first off, I think you got to give Monty Williams a lot of credit for getting this team to focus through that distraction. Not the DeAndre Ayton thing a little bit, that's business, but the Sarver investigation that is going on around that team, that could tear a team apart, right? Like that could really be divisive and it hasn't been for them. And I think you got to give Monty Williams and, and I think in the locker room, Chris Paul, who has a, has a track record with bad owners who are a pain in the, you know, and a, and a distraction. He's been able to focus the team through that. They started with a soft schedule. I mean, this run started, they, they hadn't been playing great. They come up against the soft part of the schedule. They get right, but they've carried that momentum over against better teams of late. And that's the key. And they, look, we went into the season saying, I think it was kind of quiet. We we're kind of like, well, like, they can probably repeat. Like, they could do this. Like, you look at the West right now, guys. Who looks better to you than the Suns? I mean, they're right the there. They, I, yeah, well, Golden the State. Warriors. Golden State's been red hot, right? Golden State's been red hot. After that, maybe the Jazz, but the Lakers haven't looked great. Like you can, oh, you can see a path for the Suns to move through this thing the way they're playing, and they get that two seed and they get their shot. They eventually get their shot at, at Golden State or whoever's going to come out of the top of the West. So I, they were this good. I think we just kind of slept on them because we were kind of well. They were they got a favorable schedule. They got all those breaks in the playoffs. Things kind of went their way. Are they really this good? Yeah. Yeah, they're really yeah. this good, man. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I want to ask you both about this because I, I'm always interested in the the patterns that I that I fall into. Like, hey, why did I why did I get that wrong? Why did I have that take? And so, in, in the offseason, the Lakers, you know, make the big trade for Westbrook and they shake it up. And hey, hey you got LeBron healthy, you got AD, and now you got Westbrook and and the Warriors doing their thing. I wonder why I didn't just say, it's come on, it's Phoenix. There wasn't really anything fluky about what they no. did last year. Chris Paul was Chris Paul. DeAndre Ayton grew up. Uh, De- Devin Booker was always a sniper. Uh, the, the, their bench guys, Cam Payne, Cam Johnson, all those guys. So why didn't we say Phoenix is the favorite until somebody goes into the playoffs That's a good and question. knocks him out? That's a good question. I think it's probably got a lot to do with just what Kirk just said a second ago. They got they, like every playoff team, Kurt. You know this. They got some breaks along yeah. the way. They overcame some adversity, and they got some breaks. It didn't feel fluky, but it felt more like a good story than a good sustainable team. And then coming into this season, they didn't have the off-season headlines that teams like the Lakers yeah. uh, had in the Western Conference. What do you say, Kurt? Yeah, exactly. They, they weren't the shiny new toy, right? Like, ooh, Russell Westbrook's right. in Los Angeles. Let's see what that looks like. Meanwhile, Utah and Phoenix both kind of just run it back, right? Like, hey, we're good. We're just going to run this back. And Utah, yeah, I know. They lost to the Clippers in the playoffs. Uh, and I, I, they've got a lot to prove. But they were without Mike Conley. They were, you know, uh, Donovan Mitchell was on one leg in that playoff series against the Clippers. Like, healthy, that, that might be a different story. So the question becomes, why did we look past those teams? And I think it's just that, look, they were a little bit dull, right? I mean, <laughs> to be fair, I mean, the Lakers did all this new stuff, and we wanted we wanted to see who was going to break through in the West and talk about up and coming teams. And what about the Warriors? Could they really go on this kind of run? I don't think we. I didn't think they were going to be this good defensively. So we were talking about all the shiny new things. They those two teams have come back, and the the Suns have come back, and they're just good. They're just deep and versatile, and they can beat you through a lot of ways. And after a, a little bit of a hang, you know finals hangover to start the season, they're in a groove now. And they're probably going to stay there the rest of the season. They and Utah will probably finish 1-2 in the West. Well, a f- one, two, three. Phoenix will be in there. I mean, a Golden State will be in there. 
Speaking of staying power, um, and I don't even want to ask you about the Lakers because I've decided, you know, amongst myself on behalf of the show, we're gonna get off this Lakers roller coaster <laughs> unless and until unless and until they get whole. Because one one day, like, oh, they're figuring it out. Next day, they they lose and they, or they, they look lethargic. So they're not right yet. But the team I do want to talk about is the other team in Los Angeles, and that's Paul George's L.A. Clippers. Do you see them as having staying power? And I will ask you about the Lakers. Part two of that question is. When it's all said and done, who do you trust more to go deeper in the playoffs, the Clippers or the Lakers? Let's start with the first part of that. I think the Clippers could be a really good regular season team. I just think unless Kawhi Leonard comes back and is 85% of Kawhi Leonard, it's like I feel about Denver. If he's 85 or 90% of Kawhi Leonard, then I will change my feeling about this team. But until then, there's a ceiling for how good they can be in the postseason. They are going to be great during the regular season. Paul George is going to bottom of the MVP ballot type of season, you know, all NBA kind of season so far. He's been phenomenal. And that said, there are just limits to how good this team ultimately, I think, can be in the postseason. But they are well-constructed. They are balanced. They are deep. They're versatile. They get Morris back, you know. Uh, they've got – they can beat you a lot of different ways. I just think that their ceiling is capped out in the playoffs without Kawhi back. And that's why I might still ultimately – Trust the Lakers more to make a deep playoff run. And it's for two, there's two words, man, LeBron and James. Like It's just, at the end of the day, I trust that come the playoffs, if he's 90% of himself, he can carry this team pretty deep in the postseason. And I trust their ceiling to be higher than I do the Clippers. All right, Kurt, let, let me ask you a question on this. Uh, I saw last night, actually saw in person in these, uh, in these COVID times, I saw in person Chris Mannix. So Chris Mannix is talking about the self. I'm sorry. On, uh, some post. <laughs> he said, "I'm sorry." <laughs> so he's I doing love some post game. He's doing some post game analysis. Celtics Rockets, and right as they're wrapping him, I'm about to go on after him. They're wrapping him up and say, "Hey, Chris, uh, what do you think about the next game? Celtics Nets?" He said, "Yeah, the Celtics, and they're taking on the Nets and Kevin Durant." And the best three-point shooter in the NBA, and Joe Harris. I went, whoa, whoa! Did he just say Joe Harris was the best three-point shooter in the league? So he came <laughs> off. I said, "Yo, man, what are you talking about?" He said, "Look it up. Joe Harris statistically is the best three-point shooter in the league." Now, settle this argument. I'm talking about him behind his back, but I said this to his face first. Settle this argument. Is he right? Is Joe Harris, I mean, statistically, forget it. Is he the best three-point shooter? If you've got a three-point contest between Joe Harris and Seth Curry, I mean, and, and Steph Curry, who are you going with? Curry. Like, I am happy to tell Chris Mannix he's wrong. To his face, find his back, whatever he wants. But, uh, <laughs> I love Chris, but Curry can create his own shot in a way Harris can't. That's the big difference. Harris can is a knockdown shooter. I don't want to, like, take anything away from Joe Harris. But Joe Harris... If you close out him, he can put it on the floor a little bit, but he can't create. He doesn't have the range. He doesn't have the gravity. Steph Curry, you warps your defense, and that's what the Warriors have been able to take advantage of this year that they couldn't last year, right? You've got to spend two guys out to the logo to stop him, and that just warps it. And last year, Kelly Oubre and rookie Wiseman and all those guys didn't know what to do. This year, Jordan Poole's taken a step forward. You've got Bielitsa. You've got Otto Porter, you got Andre Iguodala back. All these guys didn't know how to use the space. So Curry's gravity just creates this great opportunity for the Warriors offense and they look phenomenal.
But it starts with the fact that Steph Curry is the best shooter to ever play the game and is the best shooter right now, bar none. He's, he, I'm not even sure if I'd have Joe Harris second. I, hmm, Trey Young starting struggling to start the season, so maybe. But Harris, yeah, he's in the mix, but he, I don't know. Hey, uh, I like to go to, we agree. The opposite. Of, we agree. I like to go to the opposite end of the extreme. We've talked a lot about the good teams. Um, the Sacramento Kings, who are perpetually in a state of, of dysfunction, they fired Luke Walton, who once upon a time, you know, was was the golden child in Golden State. Um, now you got Alvin Gentry at the helm. Every night it feels like, you know, somebody, particularly Tristan Thompson, is going off about their effort or lack thereof. They got they got some good young players. You know, they look crowded in the backcourt, but they yeah. got some good young players. Why can't this team, this franchise, get it right? And is there somebody out there? Maybe it's Alvin Gentry, doesn't seem like it is so far. Is there somebody out there, whether in the front office or on the bench, that can right this ship and at least get them in contention for a play in the way it feels like their talent should have them? I don't know that they have that talent though. It's you know the problem to me is this team is is a chopped basket from the from the cooking show, right? Like, here's some alligators, some gummy Before worms, some kumquats. Go make something, right? Yeah. Like, Figure it go out. Go make something yeah. delicious. Yeah, it's it's an imbalanced, imperfect roster. Part of it is that they thought and paid Deer and Fox to step forward and be a number one option, and he just hasn't been. He's just not in the half court. The Tyrese Halliburton, Rashawn Holmes pick and roll is their best option. Uh, Fox gets his points. He can create a little, but he's not great in the half court. They just haven't been able to generate that. And I don't think Alvin Gentry can get them to play faster. He made a you know, – Mo Harkless was back in the rotation and Metu was out. He can make some tweaks. But I don't know that he can solve their problems because I don't know that – resurrect John Wooden. I don't think they're winning this team right now. Like It's going to be on the front office to – balance out this roster and make some moves. And it may not be fast enough for a meddling owner who wants to end this playoff drought and wants it to happen fast. And sometimes if you make those in any sport, man, you start making those decisions for now to, to win, you cut yourself off at the knees. They could build something longer term. And I'm just not sure they're going to do that because that wouldn't be the Kings. Yeah. Hey, we're going Kings. I mean, hey, yeah. Appreciate hey, you, man. Hey, Thank y'all. you. Who, who's that? Who's that backup quarterback who had like seven or eight teams? That's, that's Alvin Gentry. I mean, how many? <laughs> Alvin Gentry has been everywhere. With this is his fourth time. Fourth time as an interim head coach taking over for a fire coach. Like if, if they hire him behind you, man, you should just start. Yeah. You better start selling the home. That's what I say. Like, hey, Alvin, at you this, can't be on my staff. I like you. You can't at, be on my staff, though. <laughs> at this rate, at this rate, the Bears go hire him when they fire Matt Nagy, which we'll get to that later on in the show. <laughs> but uh, appreciate you, man. Thank you so much, Kirk. Good stuff. Great work. Good stuff, Kirk. Guys. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep trying to make progress so when I look at over 20 years I look look how far I've come but 
there's not one step that I took where I realized, look how far I've come. But those series of steps that I put together, um, I go, wow, that's, man, that's quite a journey. Mike, that was a clip from Man in the Arena 10-part docu-series on ESPN Plus with Tom Brady. Of course, it's with Tom Brady because Gotham Chopra is behind it. Uh, Gotham knows uh, Tom very well. Man in the Arena. Before that, we had Tom versus Time. Uh, that was a Facebook series, very enlightening in 2017. And as I was saying to Gotham before we came on, Mike, I remember seeing him dutifully outside of David Ortiz's house in 2016, because Gotham had unprecedented access, I kind of was like sneaking around. He had unprecedented access to David Ortiz's final season, and that was also uh, a great piece of work too. So, uh, Gotham, hey man, good to catch up with you. Uh, you know us both, so I feel like we just gonna we just gonna sit here and kick it. Thanks for thanks for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, this is like, I feel like I'm fulfilling all of my fantasies, you know, first with these projects you mentioned as a Boston sports kid growing up, I mean, diehard Red Sox, somehow I maintained my Patriots fandom, even though I grew up in an era where they were not only bad, but embarrassing. But and now I get to like hang out with guys like you guys, you know, who I'm big fans of. So, you know, this is fun for me. We appreciate, appreciate it, man. You. Tell me, uh, tell us about man in the arena. And, and how it how it came to be because it's a little it's it's an unusual project in that you have Tom, but I've already seen Tom with Drew Bledsoe. I see Tom with with uh, you know Teddy Bruschi and Willie McGinnis. He's got right. some other people involved too. Tell tell us about that project. Yeah, so you know you mentioned Tom versus Tom. So I first started. I've been friendly with Tom. You know, certainly become a lot closer to him over the last few years on all these projects. But you know, when we worked together in seventeen eighteen on Tom versus Time, which was really focused on one season, the Patriots fan in me was always asking Tom questions like, "Yeah, but like, so tell me about you know two thousand three, this thing that happened, or four, or, you know, what it was like to play with Rodney Harrison or stuff like that." And Tom has great stories. I mean, he's got an amazing memory. Like he can literally remember a pattern he threw to you know. Jermaine Wiggins in 2001 or something like that. So I was just sort of fascinated by the genesis of everything. And Tom versus Time was about one season, but I was really fascinated to hear about the foundation that had been laid and just the run of success across two decades. So Tom versus, sorry, uh, Man in the Arena sort of grew out of that. And, you know, it's Man in the Arena. It's not, you know, Michael, you've written the book literally on, you know, a lot of the Patriots, you know, more of the objective history of the Patriots dynasty, man in the arena is Tom's point of view. And therefore, you know, Teddy or Rodney or Drew, it was really about people that Tom identified and said, go talk to this person because that person really had a profound influence on me, you know, on and off the field in many cases. Over the last two decades, we'd like to think we've heard and learned uh, or read or watched uh, a lot about Tom Brady, the competitor. Um, but whether it's uh, Kobe Bryant, uh, Russell Westbrook, I just watched Passion Play the other day. Great job, uh, as usual. Um, or in this case, Tom Brady, who you also know, obviously, as a business partner with the religion of sports. But specifically Brady, but really all of them. I love to know what, what Tom is like as a collaborator, as a creative, 
as a mm -hmm. business partner. We're learning through your project what he's like as a competitor and as a quarterback. But what's he like behind the scenes? Is he as meticulous and, and, and hands on, uh, you know, and invested in, 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 in his storytelling as he is the substance yeah. of his story, which is quarterback play? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And I, the simple answer is yes. You know, there's nuance to that. But look, I would say consistently what I found, and certainly in the people I work with, is same guy off the court, off the field as they are on the court. Kobe was mm -hmm. combative. He was intense. He, but, you know, that's what really drove him. The same, you know, you see it on the court, his success with the Lakers was when he was like in fistfights with his own teammates with Shaq, you know, um, similarly on the edit room, in the edit room, it didn't quite get to fistfights, but it came close. Tom is the same way, <laughs> the ultimate collaborator, you know, he he's very meticulous. He's very intense. He's very curious. He doesn't try to do the job of someone else. Like he doesn't, you know, Tom doesn't play receiver, but he understands what receivers do and therefore then sort of work in concert. So he's not micromanaging by any means, oh, but okay. he's definitely, you know, <laughs> like, and look, there's also a difference, I should say, between off season and on season, like off season, he's a lot more engaged, I would say. And we schedule around that during the season. I'm very skillful. I watched Monday night last night, hoping, of course, I always cheer for Tom, but also knowing like, oh, it's, he's a lot easier to communicate with after a win than he is with a loss. And so, you know, he's engaged, but we've also like shaped the production so that we need less from him, you know, during, mm. during the season. Okay. I, I was hoping you would have some stories about her and telling, giving you suggestions on music or lighting or, you know, something really, really, really hands on. <laughs> he does like, Tom <laughs> says like, he's a big thing. He's got a thing about lighting and I know where this comes from. I mean, his, his wife happens to be, you know, the greatest supermodel. She's the real goat in the family. And so she right. has strong opinions on lighting. And that's one thing that Tom's always like looking. He would be very unhappy with the lighting right now on my face. Um, you know, he hates <laughs> too dark. Um, so he is strongly opinionated on lighting for some reason. Well, we were talking to you uh, before we uh, before we started just in the break. Uh, you, you know, you said living the dream and, and you know, you're a Boston guy. Uh, Boston sports fan in general. We can see Larry Bird right behind you. Uh, you know, uh, famously, Kobe Bryant broke down Larry Bird's pump fake game for you when you guys got to know each other. Uh, I wonder, how do you watch Tom Brady? You mentioned watching the game last night and thinking about it like, well, you know, he'll be better to deal with after a win. So I imagine he's been difficult after the last couple of weeks. But how do you watch Tom Brady differently, game in and game out, knowing what you know about his process and maybe even some inside information about the team or just where he is in general, like, cause you're, you're, you don't want to just be objective about it and step back and, and find out like the rest of us, you know, a lot more. So how does that affect your fandom? Yeah, look, well, I mean, I watch as Tom's friend, you know, I, I don't, I'm not emotionally attached to the Bucks. you know, I'm, I'm just not like, I still watch like the Patriots and like find myself emotionally engaged in a way that I'm not with the Bucks. So you were rooting I, for the Patriots in that game? Hold on. It was like going to dinner with two divorced parents. I was like, can we just <laughs> move past this? Like, I don't want to be here. I mean, pretty obvious Tom didn't want to be there. Like, you know, like it was just, you know, not fun for anyone. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's funny because my son, who's 14 years old, he's all in on the Pats. Like he's happy when Tom, but like 
he I was conflicted that game. He was not conflicted, which was fascinating to me. Um, but you know, going back to your question, like I root for Tom because I do know how much it means to him. Not just like the competition part, he's hugely competitive, but like he's doing this thing that he loves. And while he's Tom Brady and he's still playing and he's God knows how much longer he's gonna play, I think we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning. So there's still there's there's a timeline on this. And you know, it's very rare that any of us around people who are, you know, just so that are the embodiment of greatness. And I think Tom knows that too. Like he feels that. So I, I'm very invested in him, the Bucks, you know, I mean, good for them. And I, I hope they are successful because it's tied to him. But, you know, I do just know how hard he works on it. I knew, you know, like, yes, inside information. I knew about his knee injury during the off season. I know, you know, the, the surgery he had and then the rehab he went and how much, you know, he was wondering like, okay, he is, you know, in his mid forties, like recovery is not as easy as it once was. So I do watch from that perspective just to see, you know, I know how hard he's working on certain things and I'm always curious, but you know, I think it's ultimately it's, he still loves this thing, you know, and that's, that's, what's really fascinating. Um, you know, slight t- tangent, but we work with, I work with Michael Strahan a lot too. And Michael always says at the end of his career, you know, older athletes in general, and I've seen this with a lot of guys I work with physically, they sort of figure it out. And Tom's the ultimate, right? Like with his pliability and his hydration and his diet and his sleep, he sort of figured out what he needs to do to be on the field. It's mentally and emotionally. And Strahan always says, it's like, you get to the end of your career. And what really starts to happen is like, do I still want to do it? Do I still want to put in the work? Can I mentally still do it? during the off season. And at some point you start to realize you don't. And that's when you walk away. Tom still has that fire in him. He's still like in the middle of April, you know, in the middle of Costa Rica, like wants to go and do a throwing session. And it's just like, man, this guy just still has it. And that's to me, what is really incredible. You know, another guy, Gotham, who had a connection to Boston, Terry Francona, manager of the Red Sox, and we know before he managed the Red Sox, long before he managed the Red Sox, he managed Michael Jordan. And, he, and I remember him talking about these trips with Michael Jordan on the bus, uh, minor league towns. And Jordan would say, yeah, you know, I can get my 32 in the NBA. It's really just eight a quarter, eight, eight points eight, a quarter. Eight, eight. And, that's it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just get yeah. my 32 points. And, and, and Francona would look at him like, yeah, okay, that's easy to say, but you can actually do it. With Tom, do you think he's at the point where he says, okay, I can see the game so well that I know I can go out and get 250 yards, 300 yards, you know, 3,000 yards again uh, for like the 19th time NFL record. Do you you hear him and see him approaching the game in that way? Yeah, I mean, look, I joke with him. I call him old Neo. He's like, you know, he's Keanu Reeves from the Matrix, but all these years later, there's really no play. There's there's nothing out there on the field that anyone can throw at him that he hasn't seen, not only before he's seen a hundred times. I mean, he's literally playing, you know, children of coordinators that he played, you know, he's played in before. So there's nothing on the field. I think he has supreme confidence. Like I can figure this out. And I may not figure it out in the first quarter, by the third, fourth quarter, I will figure it out. I think physically, again, he just, he knows his body so well. It's that emotional piece that it's, you know, navigating the 
culture inside the locker room, like now a new culture in Tampa. He's got three kids. He's got a wife who's like as prolific as he is, who's ambitious and doing other stuff. And so it's like, navi- he's got older parents, you know, like, like me, like we're the same age, what it's like to navigate all of that. So that's the part that I think Tom would say is that he, that is the hardest work, you know? And that's, but it, it's that third leg of the stool and he needs to be emotionally engaged in order to have the success. So that's to me always the part that's interesting watching him is like, how is he navigating all of these things? And when you talk about his teammates, his teammates are, you know, his teammates are closer to his son Jack's age, like by a lot than they are to his. Um, and that's the world he's now kind of navigating in the locker room. And it, and it seems to have to have fueled this. I mean, you know, I, I was getting way ahead of myself, and I'm sure Tom will roll his eyes, but I, I predicted another dynasty in Tampa. And you said earlier about his fire, which is more like a raging inferno, and you see it last night when he gets the first down and, and, and yeah. gets up and does his, you know, his trademark, uh, his trademark first down signal. I, I guess I just wonder, Gotham, you know, 50 just doesn't 50 seems conservative at this point. At one point, it seemed far fetched him playing until he's 50 feels conservative because this raging inferno that you described this passion that he still has. Doesn't it have to dim to something closer to a flame and then a flicker for him to actually walk away? It's almost as if he has to have some kind of overnight epiphany to go from this guy who's playing like a madman to walking away from the game unless Giselle or his parents or his kids pull him away from the game. You know, you said earlier he's closer to the beginning to the end in the beginning. Maybe <laughs> I mean, I just, he doesn't seem I like mean, a guy who's like any closer to yeah. thinking I'm, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do it anymore. I, I have no profound insights here. I'm afraid because I, I will say I ask him all the time. Like, so what are we thinking? Like, you know, because, you know, I've I'm in the business now of like just cataloging <laughs> the Tom Brady um career and so i'm always wondering you know how much longer are we doing this for but i get different answers all the time and i i just it's it's he has this inner fire i will say you know it's it's not that dissimilar i have a 14 year old son as your children get older they get busier and there are things that you don't want to miss and you do miss you know like because and so i think that's where it ultimately will come from he'll never fall out of love with the game but I think there are, you know, other things that he loves that he doesn't necessarily want to miss. And that will, I think that will ultimately dictate, you know, how much longer this goes for. But, you know, and then going back to your other thing, like you said, it's like the dynasty. Look, I am biased here. I will say I'm a Patriots fan. You can have success. Tom had success last year. And I think there was a lot of different factors. He's an exceptional player, greatest ever. But to have the type of success, and that's what Man in the Arena is about, is like to have the type of success that he had over two decades, that's that's bigger than any one player. That comes from building right. a culture. And right. that culture, the, the cast keeps on changing. I mean, Tom's like the only consistent thing. But, you know, the, the culture creates the players in some ways. And that culture was Tom, it was Bill, and it was... Mr. Kraft and like any, in my opinion, any legs of those stool go away. It, you mm-hmm. don't see that type of success over that amount of time. 
So we mentioned all the people that you've, uh, or some of the people that you've had the privilege of, of, of working with, Michael Strahan, Kobe Bryant, Russell Westbrook, Tom Brady, of course. <clears throat> I wonder personally and professionally when it comes to building religion of sports into what you've built it in or just you and your craft and your and, and your storytelling and as a filmmaker, what lessons have you taken from them? How have they changed your life or altered your approach uh, to your your craft? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, I'm always looking for this. Like, what's the DNA? Like, what is the thing that, you know, connects? Like Tom and Kobe, for example, very different personalities, but shared um, commitment to greatness. And, you know, the on the one hand, companies called religion of sports. And of course, like my background, like there is something spiritual about greatness, but there's also no substitute for hard work. Like there's, you know, Tom Brady in the middle of an off season, or not even the middle, like literally a few weeks after a Super Bowl, he's out in the backyards, you know, trying to sort of work on his throwing motion. Um, Steph Carr, you guys were talking about it, you know, on the last segment, like I've worked with Steph, I've traveled around the world with Steph, no matter where he is in the world, he wakes up at 5 a.m. and he finds a gym and he's taking jump shots. And this is, no debate, the greatest shooter in the history of the game. And yet for him, he feels like he can reach another level. You know, Simone Biles, the same way. And, you know, I just, that sort of commitment to greatness, I would even call it devotion, is, is something that, you know, really inspires me. And I'm always, you know, Tom is something I've observed in Tom. He says all the time is it goes, Tom talks a lot about energy and he's very sensitive to, you know, he calls it inputs and outputs, like who he's around. Cause look, when you're like the someone matrix, like when you're right. someone at that level, like whatever room you walk into, somebody wants something from you. Like they're taking energy from you and so Tom always he's very conscious of that and he talks about inputs and outputs and how he's very conscious about how outputting energy and I'm always to myself thinking I'm like why don't I do that like I need to do more of that I need to be more conscious of the choices that I make you know where I am who I'm around um, because it does take a lot you know and you guys know this like it, to do something at the best of your abilities it takes all of you so if you're kind of like pulled in so many different directions you know, you see a diminishing quality. So, yeah, I, I look, I'll, there's no version of me. I mean, I love playing Sunday pickup, but I will never be Steph Curry or Kobe Bryant. Right. But there is a part of me, like, with those guys that I'm always observing and trying to say, what what can I take? Not for my basketball game, but what can I take, like, my life, you know, um, yeah. to, to be better. And that's what's awesome about greatness code, because we could all we could all learn from it. All right, well, we will get you out on this one last question. Uh, thank you for the time, God. Last you, one. You have made Last it, one. You have made it crystal clear. You have made no, like, even when we didn't ask, you volunteered. Hey, I work with Tom Brady, but I'm a Patriots guy. So we can't let you go without getting your take on the Patriots. I think, for whatever it's worth, they're the best team in the AFC right now. You're blessed with Mac Jones. It's not a conflict of inter uh, interest, is it? Like, how you feeling about your Patriots right now, man, and their chances to maybe reestablish their own greatness in the NFL and the Mac Jones. It's unbelievable. I mean, honestly, like I'm watching these games every week and I mean, I'm become the biggest Matt Judon fan and Mac Jones <laughs> receiver group. I was not expecting this to happen this fast. I mean, I have faith, but you know, I mean, these next few weeks with the Titans and I think we're catching the Titans at a good time. 
you know, the bills somehow collapsing. I mean, that's a familiar story, I will say, but, um, you know, I, I feel really good. Like, right? like, and like, you said I mean, we, by the way. Game. Yeah, Gotham, I caught the we. We are catching the Titans at a good time. Wow, you are it in. Is blood. You're all is it the way blood? in. It's, I'm a true believer. Look, I, that's what I, the religion of sports is like, it is we. When I think of how much of, myself emotionally financially i've invested over the years in the patriots yeah it's for sure we you know what i find i've lived now outside of boston more than half my life i've lived in la with all these philistines around me laker fans and stuff and yet like i work with the lakers all the time i i don't care i'm a celtics guy through and through i'm a patriots bruins you know red sox guy and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the great thing about being a sports fan is you're bigger, you're part of something bigger than yourself. So I'm very excited. Celtics are looking good. Bruins, you always know, are going to be there in the end, you know, blue collar team. But yeah, this Patriots team, I mean, as of right now, tell me who's better in the AFC. I don't see it, you know. Tennessee, yeah. Tennessee. But anyway, Gotham, <laughs> great. All right. We'll see. I, we'll I, see. I enjoy it. And, and the only thing, only thing you left out, Gotham, is and the New England Revolution have the best record in MLS. <laughs> hey, how about them, too? Go ahead. You, know, you, know, you got all the Boston sports Revolution teams. came after my time, so I have less emotional <laughs> attachment, but I'm cheering from them for them from afar. Well, we're cheering hey, for you hey, as well, We appreciate brother. you. Yes. Thank you so much. You do, you do great man work. behind the man. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Michael, here's the thing about college football. It's like as stressed out as we get about the rankings and, and who sits where in October and November, like who would have thought that Notre Dame had a realistic shot of getting in the playoffs when they lost to Cincinnati, who we, in the meantime, been complaining that they weren't getting enough love in the, in the, in the rankings. But Notre Dame in prime position, they finish up their season with Stanford, and they got a legitimate shot. Of, of cracking the top four for I believe what would be the third time in four years that they were able to pull this off. Ooh, um, boy. And, and I'll get to my larger uh, college football playoff taking a moment with our next guest. And that will be Ryan Harris, mm. Super Bowl 50 champion, former NFL offensive lineman, won a Super Bowl, of course, to the Denver Broncos. He's now a friend of the show, and he is a color analyst for the Notre Dame uh, radio network. So, Ryan, um, and you were watching Utah uh, dismantle Oregon. Uh, yeah. How realistic when you look at? Because a lot of things do have to happen, but none of them are out of are out of the realm of possibility. I mean, you know, a two-loss Alabama team, if they don't look great uh, in the SEC championship against Georgia, um, the winner of Michigan Ohio State losing to Wisconsin, which a Wisconsin team that Notre Dame beat. So you guys mm -hmm. are the biggest Wisconsin bad. Say it again for right the people now, in the yeah. back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so yeah. I mean, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that both Cincinnati and Notre Dame can be in the top four when it's all said and done. But more, more than the rate, the, the scenarios, I'll ask it to you this way, Ryan. 
Why does Notre Dame belong? Beyond default, why does Notre Dame belong in contention for the national championship? They've gotten better as the year's gone on. And they, when they lost to Cincinnati, they had three turnovers in their first four possessions, and two of them were in their own red zone. So Cincinnati had a short field to work with, and that was a close game. But Notre Dame's had the emergence of Kyron Williams, one of the best running backs in college football. Jack Cohn has settled down and played at a high level. And they got younger players. Lorenzo Styles at receivers playing exceptionally well. And then the defense. Now, if they go to the college football playoffs, Sources I've talked to say uh, top five, estimated top five pick Kyle Hamilton would return. Uh, and if he does that, that's amazing. But they've been able to hold opponents the last three games without an offensive touchdown. So something that they've been playing better in all phases. They've been getting better at the skill positions. And that defense is dominant. Isaiah Foskey is a name you might hear if he declares for the draft in the top two rounds because he is a talent at defensive end. You know, uh, Ryan, I, I felt like last year uh, Brian Kelly was, was a little a little defensive because people made it sound as if Notre Dame should apologize for even being in the in the playoff. Like they, they didn't belong, and I, I know that really bothered him. Do you think that the gap has closed? I know Notre Dame has improved, but you think the gap is closed between? Notre Dame and Alabama, uh, Notre Dame and Georgia, theoretically. Do you think that is a more competitive situation than it was just a year ago? Absolutely. And you look at depth, and that's the big thing. You know, I asked Coach Kelly, what did you learn from that 2012 uh, national championship experience? And he said, we needed more depth. He's like, we had a good starting squad, but our depth wasn't there. And they've built that now. J.D. Bertrand, their linebacker, is one of the, has some of the most tackles in the nation. It's his first year as a starter. He had to wait three years to play and is one of the best in the nation. So you get kind of guys like that, depth at that defensive line, depth at safety. You lose All-American Kyle Hamilton and D.J. Brown comes in and plays like an All-American. So you have depth to handle the skill positions. They've gotten better at corner. Uh, defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman's bringing in some fantastic recruits. So that gap is, is getting closer, and it's because of the recruiting and the depth. But I'll also tell you, I mean, you know, Coach Kelly has a right to be a little upset. You know, Oklahoma gets into a college football playoff. They get smacked. Nobody says anything. But if Notre Dame gets smacked in a college football playoff, they're like, oh, see, there's Notre Dame again, overrated as always. So there's a little bit to fight back with uh, in terms of how Notre Dame gets perceived. But that's also why you go to Notre Dame. You want that expectation to be win a national championship or bust. And that's what makes Notre Dame football players so unique. I need you to help me out with something, Ryan. You too, Michael, for that matter, because I've been thinking about this since watching Utah take care of Oregon and the Ohio State uh, trounce Michigan State. <laughs> um, you know, for a while, man, I've been big on I've been big on expansion. You know, I, I've been a, I've been a 16 guy, you mm -hmm. know, power five plus a group of five. Um, I know they're talking 12. But the more I think about it, and especially this year, the more I'm kind of I find myself reassessing that take, reassessing that stance, and going back to, wait a second, like I kind of like it when it's exclusive because I don't think that there are 12 teams that should legitimately, after the regular season, have an opportunity to compete for the national championship. In other words, just like it's always been, the regular season is its own playoffs, and these yeah. teams week by week are eliminating themselves not just based off off of losing games, but they're showing themselves to, you know what, everybody don't need to come to this here party. 
I kind of prefer the more I'm thinking about it. Give me four. Give me the top four. Preferably not, you know, a, a two loss Alabama team, but nonetheless, <laughs> give me the four best teams, which can be subjective. But I'm, I'm the, the more I'm watching this season, I'm against expansion because I don't want to see these teams that have shown themselves not to be championship worthy compete for a championship. Uh, just out of representation. Does that make sense? What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, the Champions Club's not for everybody. You know, I'm, I'm you with know, you. And 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 are we watching? Are, yeah, are we watching Oregon versus Utah? If you know that Oregon's still, no matter what, going to be in a college football playoff, you know, does the focus go to lower end teams? You know, so I I 100 understand that. And I used to be a staunch. I used to be on that side in, in a big way. And I was talking to Jack Swarbrick, athletic director for Notre Dame. And he said that in every other sport in, co in college athletics, you have about a 20% chance to win a championship. But when it comes to college football, you have a 4% chance to get to mm. the national championship. And that kind of that changed things for me because it's, I'm with you. It's one thing to say, hey, listen, these are the four best teams, but it's a whole other thing to say, no, you're going to get a 4% chance to, to get to the, to the college football playoffs. That's different, you know. That's why we love March Madness, right? You can have that Cinderella story, and you just can't is have that, that in football. Do, do you want I a mean, tournament or do you want a champion? Because the, I mean, the team that wins the NCAA tournament ain't always the best team either. That well, you know, that's you know, I don't that know. That that that's the age-old sports adage, right? Yeah, like they really, say, you know, they, they hey six. man, yeah. you gotta be the man. You gotta eight. beat the man to be the man. Ric Flair said it. Woo, you know. So I mean, that's there's a standard there. <laughs> And and and, it, and and hey, if a, if a USF or a Cincinnati beats Alabama on the way to national championship, hey, they got them. You know, can't say anything. They had the chance to play the game. So I'm with you. Uh, I, I understand completely wanting to keep the velvet rope, but I do know as a college football player, you want to start your season thinking that you got a chance to get to the big dance and to take 15% of, of that chance away because you chose to play football. I think that's rough as well. Now, I don't want to derail us here. I don't want to derail us. I just want to point out with March Madness. This is one of my <laughs> pet peeves. When is the last time Cinderella actually won it? I mean, like, don't give me North Carolina State. That well, was an ACC school. Basically, yeah. if, if Gordon Hayward had hit that shot, that maybe, maybe you have a little Butler winning. Cinderella a high seed, a number one seed or two seed, a top seed typically wins, but the top oh. seed doesn't always win. It's doesn't always. The best okay, team, that's true. Like the best team from the regular season or even the best two teams don't always do it. It's the team that plays six or seven games and well, not seven to your point, but wins six games and is able yeah. to is that's, able to win the tournament. For college football, where, winning the regular season. These are playoff games we're watching right now. Yeah. Notre Dame has been in the playoffs since Cincinnati, since they lost Cincinnati. Sure. But I think this is where we're, we're, we're about to have a fight. I think it's going to be the two of you <laughs> against me. Nobody's having a fight on this. I, I know. Thank God. I'm right here. I'm right here. Okay. <laughs> I, I want to see you punch me uh, at, through technology. That'd be amazing. Um, I I'm actually for a two loss. If it comes to that, if, if Alabama loses two games in the best conference in the country, I hate to say it. I'm a Big Ten guy, Ryan. <laughs> but they lost to they lost to Texas A&M. Texas A&M when uh, Texas A&M was eighth. Uh, and if they lose to Georgia, Georgia will be one. Depends on. So how. you lose to two top. You lose to two top ten teams. I, I think. But you I, lost in, twice. In but you lost world. twice. You know. And, no, but and no, I, but and, all losses and, aren't equal. 
Yeah, but you know what? And neither is Texas A&M. I mean, how does Jimbo Fisher fool everybody every year? It's amazing. <laughs> He's got teams that are so good, you can't believe they lose every year. Come on now. What are you talking about? You're talking about a, an old Miss? I mean, come on, man. Lane Kiffin recruited me. I, I just don't – I know I don't see it. But I'll tell you something, you know, back to that Cinderella, does Gordon Hayward have an NBA career if he doesn't get make it to the dance, right? Do, do we know about Steph Curry? I don't even know Davidson was a college until Steph Curry, you know? So you do get to create a career from your appearances. And at, listen, Alabama's got so many guys. Half the teams in the top 10 right now have made their team from picking from Alabama's transfers the last few years. Cincinnati's running back, Ford. He's a guy who was behind Najee Harris at Alabama and couldn't start. Does that mean he's a bad player? No. So, I mean, it, it, there's, there's too many riches for the rich, and I want to see a Cincinnati team. And then the other piece of this that they're not telling you, when teams like Cincinnati get up there, I mean, now, I mean, Cincinnati's going to get an increase. They say when you do a big bowl or, or you get to the Sweet 16, you get an increase of 30% on your applications. Does anybody ever heard of an application fee? I mean, the money yeah. that comes in from, from just a collegiate way is just incredible. Hey, by the way, guys, you're going to come to the college football playoff? If you pay 200 bucks, we'll feed you some chips and dip and let you stand on the sidelines before the game. So the money for these other schools is so big. And, other, and the Big Ten, Notre Dame, I mean, anytime you start getting two teams from a conference into the college football playoffs, well, now that's $12 million per school in that conference, and that's a lot of money, and teams want to break that up. Well, listen, man, uh, we look forward to seeing how it plays out. I mean, I, Michael, if, if, if Alabama loses – a hard-fought game to Georgia. What I want to see, because yeah. they be four. What I want to see a, a rematch of that in the semifinal. It depends on how yeah, the game goes. Probably it depends well, on. Yeah, yeah, you probably you would. Know, but but, but you Ryan, what, but you would be salty, Ryan, if if Notre Dame is ten <laughs> one. Oh, I know. And two losses right, Alabama already, against ten. You you be salty. You'll be okay. Hey, man, hey, I, I, don't, I don't think anybody wants part of Georgia. I was talking to an NFL scout. I said, how good is Georgia's defense? And he said to me, and this team's in the playoff runnings right now in the NFL. He goes, we take 10 of 11 right now on defense. You know, so, I mean, that team is, is loaded. And the other, the other game people got to look out for, Houston-Cincinnati. That's going to be an interesting game. Houston can score points, and Cincinnati's going to have to beat them there in that conference championship. So, look out for that to happen as well. Hey, are you a Heisman voter? I wish. No, not yet. Not All yet. Right. Not well, we're, yet. Make, we're, we're making you one now. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. speaking of Alabama, we saw Bryce Young ball out. We saw CJ mm -hmm. Stroud uh, ball out. Uh, two leaders seem like for the Heisman right now. Uh, who you got? Uh, who would you cast your Heisman vote for if you could? Man, I mean, it's always tough in college, but I like Walker out of Michigan State. I would I would cast it for uh, Kyron Williams of Notre Dame. I don't know why he's not he's on nice, that list. Huh? It's, it's amazing what he's done. He's the number one player that I get asked about by NFL scouts. Um, but Walker just made the, had the biggest plays in one of the biggest games this year. And in college football, it comes down to that. Can you perform at the highest level? I had a rough one against Ohio State, but everybody's had a rough <laughs> yeah. one against Ohio State. <laughs> so, uh, so oh, hey, but kudos to Mel Tucker for getting that money yeah, before that way, game, man. That's a great I, I was about to say, did he, did he sign on the dotted line? I hope he did. Yeah, oh, that, hey, the ink's dry. Listen, the ink's dry, hey, you they, know. The they would never, they would never give me – 
They would never give me a Heisman vote because I give it to the damn punter at San Diego State. I give it to Matt Arisa. That's my guy. I give it to a punter. You can't talk about football no more if you give the Heisman to a punter, man. We're taking your punter. Hey, man, I just flipped the for real. He's flipping the field for real. And I take him in the first round. He's trying to draft the punter in the first round. I would. You know, hey, hey. Great punters flip the field. You can win like that. You can win like that. The field position game. And here's the great thing about him. You can get him in the sixth round. <laughs> best, like punter, best punter best punter in the country, like seventh like round pick. 100%. He's the best punter in the NFL right now. Uh, hey, Ryan Harris, Notre Dame Radio right. Network. We appreciate you, brother, man. Thank you so much. And listen, maybe, maybe when we talk about the Notre Dame playoff team, this wild and crazy season, you never know. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Peace. All right. All right. Here. Thank you. Man. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. That is not accurate. You know, I have not, um, you know, I have great communication with ownership with George and Ted and, and Ryan, but uh, I have not had any discussions. So it's not accurate. It's not accurate that he has been informed that he would be fired after the Thanksgiving Day game. We uh, it remains to be seen whether or not it's accurate that he will be fired uh, at all after the game um, or the, the Bears have never fired a coach in season. Uh, but it's gotten so bad. You just heard, you just heard the chance at a Bulls game, of fire Mad Nagy. At the Bulls, um, and they got blown out too. They got blown out. They by did. The way. They did. Meanwhile, uh, about the Pacers. Meanwhile, uh, I saw another report where a high school uh, that faced Matt Nagy's son uh, had to apologize because his son was hearing it, and it really does humanize it. I mean, we we talk a lot in this business about. Who should be fired? Who should be on the hot seat? And it's easy to forget but, that there are humans but we and don't. families involved. Well, well, but we don't. We, I'm not. I'm not, we, we really I'm not, I'm not, I mean, not trying. I'm not trying to get too when's deep. When's the last time you called? I mean, because when's the last time you called call somebody some, for somebody to be? Well, fired? when I say we, I meant I meant media. I meant I meant fans. Yeah, I meant okay. media. I didn't mean I didn't mean you and me. Uh, but I'm just saying in general, traditionally, you know, uh, Black Monday, you know. Uh, but it is part of the job. It's part of the job. It's all they all know what they signed up for, which is, you know, if you're lucky, you get to hang around and coach for for 10 years with one team. But yeah, these guys that's very fortunate. They're hired that's to be generally fired not and they get right. and they get paid to go away. So it, it, it comes with the territory. So I'm not playing the world's smallest violin for him. And he and he probably should be fired. The person who most concerns me, I just want to acknowledge the humans and the families involved. The person who most concerns me in this story is Justin Fields. Who doesn't look like he's going to play on Thanksgiving? It's probably going to be Andy Dalton. 
Because you remember, Michael, when we were talking about when the Bears drafted Justin Fields, and this is a common thing that people say uh, in pro football, is that, that, uh, that uh, an administration, a general manager, or, or a head coach that's under pressure, if not on the hot seat, their seat's getting a little bit warm, uh, they can buy themselves some time by drafting the quarterback. And when it came to the Bears back in April, and in general, I say that's BS. It doesn't buy them more time. It buys the next regime more time. Because what ends up happening is if in fact, if and when, it's not a matter of, of if, it's more like when, when Matt Nagy yeah. is fired, and not long after, unless he gets it right, when Ryan Pace is fired, the next guy is going to come in and look at Justin Fields and say, that ain't my guy. I didn't draft him. I got no allegiance to him. They're going to be charged with fixing Justin Fields or, or getting him right based on the last regime's investment and failure. And if they don't get Justin Fields to be that long-awaited franchise quarterback that the Bears have lacked since Sid Luckman, then they're going to discard Justin Fields and use him as a scapegoat to buy themselves more time. So yeah. it goes back to what we talked about a couple of days ago with Mac Jones. Oftentimes when it comes to first round quarterbacks, the last shall be first. As in the later you're drafted, with the exception of teams that trade back into the first round uh, from the top of the second round to get a quarterback. But the later you're drafted and the longer you're, sit, you're able to sit, you're probably better off because you're not under pressure and when you're with a stable set of circumstances with that organization. But when you go to a team like Chicago, is where quarterbacks go to die, when their careers go to die before they even start, you're, you're in danger of that coach and a G, or that GM that hired you getting fired, and now your career is derailed early on because now somebody coming in that didn't evaluate you, that didn't draft right. you, you're now at their mercy. So I feel for Justin Fields right now more than I feel for Matt Nagy or by extension Ryan Pace. Yeah. Yeah, Justin Fields is going to have to uh, pay the price because not only will he have a new head coach likely next year, he's going to have a new general manager and who knows if the general manager will be on board. We just don't know that. And, and the reason I say that is it, it's a package deal. Mike, it's a package deal. If you look at the critical moments for both of these guys, for Ryan Pace and, and for uh, Matt Nagy, that is pretty obvious. For Ryan Pace, it's just... You can't, you can't, you just can't, you can't do that. You can't in this draft. It comes back to it, and that will be his legacy. You cannot, in a draft that has Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, you cannot move up in that draft to take Mitch Trubisky. You can't do that. You can't do that. And it's a wonder that he's, he's had the job as long as he's had it because it was clear that he got that one wrong. So I would say for him, that's it. He's the guy who bypassed not just Patrick Mahomes. So he shouldn't get Sean a second Watson. chance. He shouldn't get an opportunity to hire another coach is what you're saying. No, Pace. he won't. He won't. Hey, look, yeah. yeah. It, it ain't happening. I, I think they're both. I think they're both. So they're, they're cleaning house. Okay. They are. Yeah, you're they're right. Fire Pace and Nagy doesn't roll off the tongue in a chance. Yeah, it's got, no, you know, so, yeah. you got you got to pick one. Pace and Nagy. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. Pace doesn't work. and yeah. like what are you saying? Like, like what? What is it? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Who? Well, who's Pace? Oh, oh, the GM. <laughs> like it's too much. <laughs> um, and then the other one uh, for Nagy, it's would things be a little different? You saw his record was twelve and four there. Twelve and four record, 
They're playing Philadelphia in the playoffs. 43 yards. Kick goals. Don't he? Yep. Yep. If they win that game, I, I don't know. Does that change everything? Do they go on a run there? It, it, so the things that keep you up at night Maybe. as a general manager, yeah. as a general manager, it's not drafting the right guy. And for a head coach, it's the games. It's that almost. You saw some eight and eights on that record, and those yeah. things will haunt you. Oh, we could have been right. 10 and six if. Uh, we could have been nine and seven. We almost beat this team. We were almost there. If this guy doesn't get hurt, on and on and on. There are a lot of those. This year, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty basic. It's pretty flat out. You know, three and seven is not good. Three and eight is worse, especially when come Thursday. Yeah, three and eight. I already give give them a loss, Mike. They gonna lose to the Lions. The Lions, which is why he and, and he and he and he and he probably will get fired if they lose to the Lions on national yeah. television on Thanksgiving. I mean, listen, as long as the Lions don't talk about nobody mama, they might have a shot. You know, they might. Uh, despite, was it Tim Boyle playing quarterback for him? I think it is. Like, if you lose to Tim Boyle and the Lions, um, you deserve to be fired. After the, hey, Mike, on Thanksgiving, I... unfortunately. Go home and be a family man. Enjoy this severance right. day. But the truth is, they're all on the hot seat. Whether whether you're 12-4, and 8-8, eight and eight, or 3-8, and 3-7, and 3-8, they're all really on the hot seat. They're all year to year. What were you about to say? Can I tell you? Can I another pet peeve? I got to bring this up. This 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 story just really bothers me. And this mm. is we got to stop this, Mike. There's a trend in the NFL. It is the most disingenuous trend that is happening. I think it started. I I, I feel like it's it's really getting out of control. It's like it, it it's like a epidemic. Uh, it's like. I mean, it's a problem this year. Maybe it started uh, in, in earnest a couple of years ago, but now I hear it often over and over. And I feel like some reporters need to call these coaches out on it. Do you see what Joe Judge said? Joe Judge, uh, after they lost Jason to Tampa. Garrett. Yeah, well, yeah. They lost, they lost to Tampa, and he said it was on coaching. Okay, the coaching. You know, it, this is on us. And a lot of coaches say that. You heard Matt LaFleur say that uh, when Aaron Rodgers was out, had Jordan Love and they lose to Kansas City. Hey, it's on me. That's on me. I didn't have Jordan prepared. And I just want to say this. Hold on. Hold on a second. When these coaches start saying, it's on me. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute, coach. Can we just park on that curve for a second? And let me ask you about five or six more questions. As far as I know, uh, you don't work at the uh, you don't work at stop and shop. You don't work at giant Eagle. You don't work at Starbucks. You got another job. Why don't you have the team prepared? It's a National Football League. Mike, you just talked about all the money that they're making. They're made. They're being paid millions of dollars. We saw coaches salaries coming out here. You're prepared. You've got some some staffs have 14 or 15 assistant coaches. You've got an offensive coordinator a D coordinator. You've got a special teams coach. You've got quality control. You've got all the resources. Ownership has usually balled out for you to make sure you have what you need. Why don't you have a team prepared? So if I start asking these questions, if I'm covering the team, and I say, well, wait a minute. Hold on. You said it's on you. In what so way? why? Why In didn't you have way? a team prepared? You want to be specific? Why not? Did they, did they confuse you? Did, you did, did they not do a... Can we go back to the 1950s? Was there no film exchange this week? I mean, like, did the, did the post office let you down with the film? What are they talking about? 
I think this is where coaches have gone too far. They're trying to say, I'll be a guy who's accountable, but they're not really accountable yeah. at all. And if these beat writers start asking follow up questions, you know what they'll say? She's an a hole. He's an a hole. What? What? Why are they asking me this? Why are they trying to pin me up like this? Why are they got me by the lapels up against the wall? Stop doing it. coaches. You don't mean it. Stop saying I mean, it. Exactly. And, I think it's a throwaway. And if it is, if they continue to say it, I would like to challenge beat writers across the country. Please ask like three or four follow-up questions so we can get to the to get to the bottom line. Now, this is really bothering me. Okay. I think it's a throwaway. I think it's a throwaway line. I don't think they really they can't say, hey, I didn't make that tackle. I didn't make that play. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know, throw, I didn't make the right read. What, what else can they say? If they're gonna take responsibility, it's all they can say is I didn't have the team prepared. It's possible that maybe they prepared for the wrong thing because the other guys get paid if too. I'm an owner, I hear you. It's a it's a it's a tired. I'm an owner. I hear, I hear that. If I'm an owner. I hear that. I hear that two or three times a season. Some guys do say it two or three times a season. Okay, yeah. then I am gonna. Fight. Enough's enough. Speaking of uh, owners yeah. or governors or chairmen or whatever you want to call them, um, we got one. Uh, I think we want to hear from if we have time on the other side. Yesterday, Mike, we uh, we went at it about the best team in the AFC, um, and I noticed that uh, our colleague Mike Florio of our Pro Football Talk agrees with me. Uh, he must have been watching Brother from Another yesterday and said, "You know what, Michael makes a great point. Right now, it's the Patriots. Maybe not in the vacuum. Maybe not by the end of the season, but right now, it's the Patriots." All jokes aside, yeah. tell me what stands out from uh, the low hanging, uh, the delicious low hanging fruit that is. Yeah, You're joking. I mean, yeah. hey, they're not watching. They're taking his cues hey. from me. The delicious, the delicious oh. low-hanging fruit that is oh. power rankings. What, what stands out to you? The Patriots at second in football? That's aggressive. That's really aggressive. Um, Cardinals, number one. I should feel that way. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling should. to, but I should. They so I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to quit. The and then and then Packers, and then the Packers, uh, number one in Yahoo's poll. Sure. Look how low your the Titans Packers. are across the board. Look how low your Titans are. That's just, Nine for PFT, eight let, for NFL.com, ten for Yahoo. Let me just, uh, the game of the week, because I'm going to tell you what everybody's going to say. Let me just get ahead of it. I'm going to tell you what's going to be said on Monday. Wow. Oh, the Titans really the Titans really showed us something by going to Gillette Stadium. They were underdogs again. They won again. No Derrick Henry. They found a way Mike Vrabel's record against Bill Belichick. He's never lost to Bill Belichick. Oh, they're a tough team. Look out for the Titans. I got it. Remember the Titans all the puns all those headlines will happen. If they, right. if they do it part pardon the interjection when they do it. if they do it if it okay when or if they do it. This just yeah. in, they'll be doing it without Adrian Peterson, who they just released. You were okay, saying. Yeah, thank you. It, I told you they shouldn't have signed him. Um, but would you let me ask you this when it comes to Titans Patriots, what would you rather mm -hmm. have people say? Would you rather be a team that is uh, that beats teams you should be beats teams you should be, but their only losses are to mostly good teams. They lost to the Dolphins, but 
They lost to the Buccaneers, but they also lost to the Buccaneers and Cowboys. Or would you like to be a team that all your wins, you don't beat bums. You beat bums and really good teams. But when you lose, yeah, you lose seven to playoff teams from last. I think it's seven and zero against playoff teams from last year, something like that. So it was. I would much rather. My, you, you're team. looking at the resume. You're looking at the resume. You're looking at what they've done. I'm simply looking at the Titans with a with a hint of skepticism, based on what have they done for me lately without Derrick Henry. And I told you that their offense had been sputtering despite the two wins without him. They lost to the Texans. The Patriots are rounding in the form. Day. And they have the best defense. Of course, I, I, God willing, I'm here. I, I hope I pray. I pray I'm here too. I mean, okay. yeah. You know. All right. And I, I, so, I'm, I'm sure you'll have the smoke for me if the Titans beat the Patriots. In case you missed how, it. How did you end up opposite the Patriots all of a sudden? What, what did you become? <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.